This is a podcast from thebuglepodcast.com. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to Bugle Issue 292. I am Andy Zaltzman, reporting live and exclusively for the Bugle from the post-electoral mayhem of London, where the British electorate has chewed up its ballot papers, spat them out, and made them into a giant papier-mâché middle finger aimed directly at the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats. And joining me from his political refuge in America, where he's hunkering down for the bleak years ahead, it's the man whose departure from Britain has sparked what is now set to be ten years of Tory rule. It's the 21st century's Margaret Thatcher himself, John Oliver. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Andy, what the f*** just happened over there? What <laughs> What the f*** did you just do? Um, I, don't, I have never, ever been happier not to be there. <laughs> and I could not be, except I still feel too close. I could be an astronaut in space looking down and thinking, oh, shit, that looks bleak. I mean, obviously, it's a majestic globe, but that little bit over there looks f***ing bleak. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting night um, for uh, for British politics certainly. Um, this is Bugle two hundred ninety two. Coincidentally, that's the number of party leaders who have resigned in the last three hours as we record. Also, uh, the uh, two ninety two, the expected number of decades it'll take the Liberal Democrats to recover from their five year Faustian pact with government. And also two hundred ninety two, the percentage of the British population who will never believe an opinion poll again. And I think, John, this is the one thing that has truly truly emerged from this election is that whatever else we lose in Britain and you know we may not truly know what we are as a nation anymore in a rapidly changing world we may be unsure of what we are politically ethically spiritually but we always know we are the best nation in the world at lying to opinion pollsters there was absolutely nothing we will not do to tell an opinion pollster that we're going to vote in a way that we have absolutely no intention of doing And this is for the week ending Friday the 8th of May 2015. Uh, very interesting anniversary, this one. It's zero years exactly since the day that British politics went stark, raving bonkers. A uh, quick section. There's been a commemorative audio pullout of the most used phrases of last night's uh, uh, election nights. Uh, one, I'm not prepared to speculate. Two, it's too early to comment. Three, these things have to be taken with a pinch of salt. Four, uh, y- yes, it is starting to appear that way. Five, shit, shit, h- holy shit. And six, Seriously, that section in the bin. So, top story this week, UK election news. Seriously, what the f*** just happened? (laughs) What the... What the f***? I mean... What... What the... (laughs) But, because you went... It's... What what the f***, Andy? What the f***? If you live... Anywhere on earth that is not the United Kingdom, then frankly, congratulations <laughs> in a significant, lasting way. Because I'm guessing that the UK is a pretty depressing place to wake up this morning, unless, of course, you're an arsehole. But then, <laughs> arseholes always wake up hand, uh, happy, Andy. After all, they are arseholes. <laughs> um, I, I would sincerely hope that many unexpectedly many people in Britain woke up this morning with an emotional hangover thinking, 
oh no, what, what, what did I do yesterday? <laughs> Only to look at a stubby pencil on their pillow and scream, oh shit, please say I didn't vote Conservative. Oh please, please say, not again, not again, Lord. After a five-week campaign of shallow, cynical fear-mongering, the UK managed pretty pretty effectively to exhibit many of the worst facets of the human condition. It, it really was a tasting menu of twattery on all sides. And the election was, by all, literally all polls, expected to result in a hung parliament, and hung in the truest sense, in that democracy was supposed to attach a noose around its neck and attempt to kick the chair out from underneath its twitching feet. But either... The polls were all wrong, or there was a last-minute swing to the Tories. Essentially, the polls suggested that basically people had said to pollsters they would not punch themselves in the balls, they would absolutely not do that. (laughs) Then they went into the polling booth, and two minutes later came out icing their genitals. That's, in in a nutshell, what has happened. Because the end result is that the Conservatives have won the election, and David Cameron is once more head boy of the country. (laughs) Head... Head boy is back. Yeah, yeah. Now, I found it pretty depressing to watch from thousands of miles away, Andy. How did it look at point blank range? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, he's talking it, now. He's talking now. He's on TV. He's. Oh, f <laughs> you. He's, he's, he's talking now, and he's. It's almost worse with the sound down. <laughs> well, you saw, you saw, happy face. Yes. He's you, moving. You saw, and I hate it when his face moves. <laughs> So I'm guessing you're not happy with the results uh, there. Well, obviously, from, uh, he's yes. a safe pair of hands to um, guide the country <laughs> off the cliff. That's right. <laughs> they, they want to finish the, the job of finishing the country. That's all they've asked for and all they've got. As you say, it is the lunchtime after the morning, after the night before, which in turn followed the, the day, the previous morning, five weeks of almost exclusively infantile campaigning and five years of government that has put Britain back on track or sent Britain careering towards long-term disaster or both, depending on your view of Britain tracks and disasters and you talked about that swing in the ballot box and I think this was the key factor I think it will come to be known as the Miliband swing and I reckon that was worth a good 5 or 6% maybe even 50 or 60% caused by people in polling stations getting their pencils of democratic destiny in their hand looking at their ballot papers thinking about the kind of future they want for the country for for their children the kind of role they want Britain to have in the world, the kind of ethics they want to have at the heart of our society. And then picturing Ed Miliband walking out of the door of 10 Downing Street or sitting down at a G8 summit and thinking to themselves, no, definitely, definitely no. And I think that has been the single crucial factor. Uh, David Cameron had asked in a build-up to the election, uh, he said this, when you're in the polling booth, ask yourself on the things that matter in life, who do you really trust? Suggesting that the answer... Uh, was him, which it, it clearly isn't. I mean, when I'm thinking about the things that truly matter in life, I can't do that in a polling booth, John, because I cannot vote for Wisden Cricketers Almanac, and my mother wasn't standing. But it certainly was not David Cameron. But I think what what happened is it was David Cameron, not necessarily in a positive way, but in a negative way that it was less not him than it was definitely not Ed Miliband. And he's uh, he's resigned just uh, about an hour before we started recording. Uh, officially resigned. Uh, about five days after he basically resigned when he unfailed an eight-foot-high stone with six Labour pledges on it. It was like a f***ing gravestone with a preemptive epitaph of his inevitably broken <laughs> dreams. Um, and uh, I mean, resignations flying. Nick Clegg has resigned, Nigel Farage has resigned. I'm hearing uh, 
rumours that the Queen might might have resi- just got a bit carried away with it all and the excitement of the occasion. Um, but it's hard to see what Miliband was thinking when he did it. Was, I don't know if you... Uh, you might not all have seen it, Buglers, who haven't been following this election closely here in England. It was an eight-foot-high concrete slab, basically, with six incredibly nebulously worded pointless promises on it, signed by Ed Miliband, carved into the stone in handwriting that looked like he'd missed a couple of years of crucial education, with a gap at the bottom as if they'd got six policies down and thought, oh, what the f***, no one's going to read this far, let's leave some space for the inevitable graffiti telling us to go f*** ourselves. And it's hard to think what he was thinking, John, as if Miliband was thinking there, and he'd had a bit of a bump in the polls and he was doing all right, it was neck and neck. As if he'd, uh, if he'd thought to himself... Maybe I was just getting bored of the novelty of appearing even vaguely electable and decided to get back to Ed Miliband basics, to do something that would make people look at him, then think about Downing Street and once again say, no, definitely, definitely no. And the way you stood in front of this Ed Stone, you were expecting him to say, dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to mourn the sad passing of my credibility and of the Labour Party as an election-winning force snatched away from us after a long and painful illness. As we record now, David Cameron has just left his audience with the Queen. And I would think that even she would see him walk in the door, give a deep sigh and mutter, Oh, f*** it's you again for another five years. I honestly don't know if I can f***ing do this. Charles, you're up. I'm, I'm out. I can't, I can't look at his face. It's just off-puttingly round. Uh, many analysts are saying this is a fundamental shift in the landscape of the UK. And I guess specifically that that landscape is going to shift from rolling green hills to a mountain of festering shit. (laughs) In fact, there there seems to be a sense that the UK as we know it may not be much longer for this earth. The United Kingdom may have to put the united part of its name in inverted commas, because if the election results are any guys, the UK is about to carve itself up like a self-harming turkey. I think... Basically, the UK is probably finished, isn't it, Andy? Because as you say, the Labour Party was beaten more heavily than expected. And the Liberal Democrats are currently like the northern white rhinoceros, Andy. (laughs) They're not technically extinct yet, but they probably need to be taken into captivity and bred very carefully over several decades if generations in the future are to see them in the wild again. Uh, Absolutely. The SNP was not so much a curveball in this election. Well, well, it was a curveball that basically swung in viciously to smack the batter firmly in the nutsack before turning out not to be a ball, but a hand grenade. And it has, as you say, thrown everything... Uh, into a state of almost total electoral chaos. So we have a situation where the SNP have won, uh, I think, 56 out of 59 seats in Scotland. Um, uh, Labour have won, the Conservatives have won. David Cameron proudly said, we held on in Scotland. Well, well f***ing done. Tories, you f***ing love that country so much. You've kept the one the one seat that Scotland deigned to give you. I, I suppose it's like if you meet a man wearing nothing but a pair of underpants, and then you meet him again five years later, and he's still wearing the same underpants, you could either think he's got to be disappointed with that, or you could think, yeah, it could have been worse. Particularly if he's in a fashion contest that afternoon against someone he really doesn't like, who five years ago was wearing a decent quality lounge suit with a shirt and tie, and is now wearing nothing but a pair of underpants. It's, um... It, Cameron is, uh, I mean, I find him hard to warm to as a, uh, as, as a neutral. Um, 
I'm not really neutral, but uh, he made this uh, glorious uh, slip of the tongue that really kind of left us in no doubt as to what this election was all about. Uh, He said just a few days before the vote, he said, this is a career-defining, sorry, country-defining election. And, John, for me, that is the most Freudian slip a career politician like Cameron can make. It couldn't have been any more of a Freudian slip if he just put on a pair of tight-fitting underpants with a picture of his mother on. Boom. I'm not sure there's enough Freudian slip jokes. Oh, OK, let's go with the second Freudian slip joke. It couldn't have been any more of a Freudian slip if he'd asked a 20th century British painter renowned for his fleshy nudes to play cricket and field next to the wicketkeeper. For our American listeners, slip is the position next to the wicketkeeper. And Freud was a painter who painted big nudes. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, that, that joke really kept me going through the dark night. Apparently Cameron has referred to this as his sweetest victory. And is there... Any more alarming canary in the coal mine as his face being happy, Andy? <laughs> when he's happy, something absolutely unspeakable has just happened. And in the speech that he has just wrapped up, he said, this is a country with unrivaled skills and creativeness. And yeah, as you say, Andy, seemingly at lying to pollsters. What, <laughs> what happened? What the f*** just happened, Andy? <laughs> Well, it does say something slightly alarming about our democracy, that the Conservatives have been returned with uh, a, a small majority, but they are a party that people are too embarrassed to admit that they're planning yes. to vote for in a completely anonymous poll. They're too, even, even in total anonymity, they cannot bring themselves to say to another living, breathing human being, I'm going, it's extraordinary. And it's, an, it's a really, really bizarre situation that Cameron, previously the partially elected Prime Minister, has surfed back into Downing Street on a tidal ripple of moderate public acceptance as the least irritating option available. With an underwhelming democratic mandate, he got 36% of the vote, that's basically exactly the same as last time on a fairly piss-poor 66% turnout. So he's basically got around about a quarter of the possible votes he could gone could have got, just over 50% of the seats. Um, so basically, he's just as popular stroke unpopular as he was in 2010, just a bit luckier with the system. It's not exactly a ringing endorsement, more a just about audibly tinkling endorsement, which is considerably better than anyone expected. And I think his, re- his real, the key thing he did in this campaign, the, the absolutely crucial match-winning gambit he did was having Ed Miliband as the Labour leader, who I'm, not, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, not so much an iron fist in a velvet glove as a shit fist in a toilet paper glove. So what was it that, that really made people vote in this way? Well, a lot of people said it's, uh, yeah, it's been a great, great election for the British scaremongering industry. It show we're still right at the top of the global game when it comes to that go Team GB. But I'm not sure it's so much that uh, the British public voted against the fear, particularly uh, the spectacularly mongered fear of the uh, Scottish National Party, essentially charging south covered in woad, burning York to the ground and asking for William Wallace's testicles back. Um, I must stop reading uh, British newspapers. But uh, I think it was more run the threat of, uh, of Scotland shattering the Union and destroying the entire planet, as we've been told they definitely wanted to do. It was more the threat, John, if there was a really indecisive uh, result of having to have another election just months away. I think it was the thought of another four weeks of bleats and counterbleats that made people think, I've just got to vote in whatever way makes that not happen. That's, that, is all, that is my only duty to this country, vote to stop any more elections happening. And one thing I would like to say to... Uh, to Mr. Cameron, uh, is, um, I don't know if you've, you've followed this election closely, 
John, but at every available opportunity, he has rolled his sleeves up for no discernible reason. And I'm not going to tell Cameron how to do his job, but please, if I may issue one message from the Bugle to the new government, it's roll your f***ing sleeves down. <laughs> I know it's probably been run through a focus group that said that rolling your sleeves up makes you look businesslike. Bullshit. It might, may, might, maybe you've been told by the pollsters that if you roll your sleeves up, eight people in Northampton are slightly less likely to vote Labour. But it makes you look like you, at any moment you're expecting to be called away to a farm to deliver a foal or slay and eat a lobster in front of your old mates from school. Either or probably, but almost certainly the latter. And also, John, more importantly, if at any point in your career as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom you find yourself having to roll your sleeves up, you are doing your job wrong. You are definitely... Basically, the only situation in which that would happen is if you're having to clear up after a botched hit on someone. That should not happen. You should have people to do that for you. Gents, you've managed a f*** every 50 seconds today. (laughs) Well, if if this didn't set a record, Chris, then you know we were probably both clinically dead. I'm sure. If, if you don't swear now, when, when do you swear? What are you what are you waiting for? Um, f- <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, Cameron has showed that his bare-faced balls remain as bare-faced and ballsy as ever before, uh, claiming that the, uh, the result was a positive response to a positive campaign rather than a kind of neutral response to a a negative campaign. And he said his party can now offer, quotes, real hope to people in our country. John, the lead is still hot on the ballot papers. The corpses of his rivals are still warm on their career slabs. And already the morning after the election, offering hope to the people of our country. It is a humiliating political U-turn, John. Absolutely humiliating. There was a huge amount of uh, tactical voting, uh, it seems, because of our curious uh, electoral system that but basically renders um, most votes uh, not so much uh, an expression of democratic opinion as practice at accurately writing an X in a small box, uh, which is mean, a very useful life skill to have. Uh, and there's been quite a lot of vote swapping, people going online and swapping votes with uh, people in other constituencies. Say if they vote, you know, a party that can't win in their constituency, they find someone who's in a similar situation and they swap each other's votes. So their vote kind of counts. And I, I did this, John. I couldn't decide... Uh, between the parties they all seem to be in favour of good stuff and against bad stuff and I couldn't be asked with the small print uh, but I'm hugely opposed to Islamic State uh, so I went online and found a guy in Mosul um, uh, and I've, so he is going to vote against Islamic State in the next election in which he can try and vote them out uh, but he's a massive massive fan of Nick Clegg so um, I, I, I voted Liberal Democrat for him huge fan uh, for Labour uh, John, it's, uh, I mean, it's a total and utter catastrophe. Um, Ed Miliband appeared to be a frankly baffling choice at the time. Now, baffling is looking an extremely generous way of putting it. But it was a quite remarkably high tariff feat of uh, political gymnastics, John, for Labour, in which they managed to basically do worse than they did under Gordon Brown in terms of seats and only very slightly better in terms of vote share. And this was worse than when they went to the polls with one of the least popular prime ministers of all time, probably in any country, in the aftermath of a catastrophic economic downturn following 13 years of increasingly unpopular government. To have matched that, or even worsed it, that you own, you have to admire the effort and application that has gone into making themselves as unelectable as humanly possible. Tristram Hunt, a Labour MP, said, uh, said these remarkable words. Ed Miliband has exceeded expectations. Um... I guess could 
feasibly be true if your expectations were that he would dress up in a pantomime Lenin outfit and book the Queen and family a one-way ticket to Siberia, which appeared to be what some of the newspapers seemed to think. For me, Miliband was as bad as convincing as a political leader as Dracula would be as a vegan. It just, it just didn't, <laughs> didn't ring true. In fact, scientists, I'm just reading today... Um, a scientist from a, a high-tech lab have claimed that uh, they've done some research and found that if Labour had elected a vat of cabbage soup instead of Miliband, they would have only got three fewer seats and would, in fact, uh, have received 140,000 more votes nationally. That's, uh, that is a lie, but, uh, but the point does basically stand. I guess the only positives for Labour is that other parties did very badly as well. You've mentioned the, the Liberal Democrats. Um, uh, but basically, Nick Clegg has turned out to be pretty much like Leica, the Cosmodog. Uh, when he the day that he joined the coalition, that was very much like Leica sitting in the cockpit, thinking, "Well, this is my one chance, but realistically, it's not going to end well. And long term, there probably aren't going to be many dogs in space." Um, other parties have. Uh, there was a very disappointing result in Bermondsey for the uh, Republican Socialist Party. Only twenty votes. Both George W. Bush and Joseph Stalin reported to be very disappointed with the result. And uh, UKIP, um, the Great UKIP Revolution, did not come to pass. In terms of seats, they only won one seat. Nigel Farage, their leader, also resigned, uh, having not won, uh, not won his seat. But they did score about 12% of the votes for one seat, John. The Greens, I think, heading for about 4%. Is that uh, right, Chris? You've got the latest results there. So between them, 16% of the vote. Two f***ing seats. What? I, mean, I don't like UKIP. I fundamentally disagree with them on, on everything, um, partly because you know, I, I, like, I, I like the idea of immigration and I cannot trace my bloodline back to before the Romans came, so I'm not a really a true Brit. But it is I mean, that's about three million, three and a half million votes, uh, which is the equivalent of half of London or three quarters of Scotland or Greater Manchester, Liverpool, Cardiff and Tunbridge Wells combined. But they might be disappointed. I think part of the reason they didn't do as well as maybe they hoped was because... Basically, over the last four weeks, if the day ended in the syllable day, you could be pretty sure that UKIP had just had to suspend someone for saying something absolutely f***ing dreadful. And recently, they uh, uh, a guy in the Hampshire Northeast constituency, uh, a candidate who said, uh, and he was up against uh, an Asian Tory candidate um, called Jai Wardner, and um, the UKIP was filmed on a hidden camera saying that if this guy became Britain's first Asian Prime Minister, he would personally put a bullet between his eyes. It, it's very hard to spin that in a positive way. Um, politically, um, and Joe Warner said he was shocked that someone with Mr. Blaze views could be selected as a UKIP candidate. Shock! How can you possibly be shocked by that after what UKIP has done over recent months? That's like being shocked when your toast pops out of the toaster. Oh no, the funny machine by the bread bin made a scary noise. Help! 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 Uh, just some more results coming in now. The Conservatives, so there's the last few results. Uh, Conservatives have held Tunbridge Wells. That's the first result from the 2020 election. Uh, that's Bugler's is all from this week's uh, election special Bugle I think uh, we both need to go and have a bit of a lie down and think about what we've done or not done and uh, it's just terrible it's (laughs) terrible it's just terrible it's just very bad but the recovery John the recovery we've had I mean, no one's noticed it, apart from people who are already rich enough not to have noticed there was anything they needed to recover from. But it's still, it's the recover. The newspaper, all those newspapers with all their foreign billionaire tycoon owners, they can't all possibly be wrong, can they? <laughs> oh, God, it's bad. Uh, um, I mean, it's just really bad. Yeah. Our, our newspapers have really, really disgraced themselves in this election. They've, I think 
the concept of journalistic objectivity is now, that that can now be put in the British Museum with all the other shit we stole from overseas. It's hard to limbo under a bar that low as well. <laughs> We've managed it. They're increasingly, surprisingly flexible. Anyway, Buglers, um, uh, uh, happy, happy election, um, if, if, uh, if that's your bag. I mean, we all love democracy. You know, so. Oh, dear. Oh, oh dear. Thank you for listening, Buglers. Until the bright new dawn next week, when it turns out that the whole thing was a forgery, all faked in a studio in Texas, and you can see the flags moving in the background. Until then, goodbye. Do keep your emails coming into info at thebuglepodcast.com. Don't forget to look at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash the hyphen bugle. Until next time, goodbye. Farewell. See you in Berlin. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.